2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. The other day, I had one of those days. Have you guys ever had one of those days where I got up and my list to get done was gigantic? And so I jumped in to get that list done and knocking it off. I'm a list guy. I, I write lists in my phone. I make lists all over my desk uh, of, of papers piled up of things that I need to get done, things that I need to accomplish. And uh, while, while I was doing that, I, I thought, man, tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going I'm to knock this out. So I, I went to the first place, and I had an appointment to get my car worked on, and I've got one of those electronic ignitions. So they said, in order to do this, as weird as it sounds, we need both of your keys because they've got the sensor. We need both of your keys. I, I, I got up. I ran around. I did everything that I did. I made it for my appointment. I walk in, and the, the lady was like, where's your second key that we told you to bring? I'm like, oh, man, I forgot it. So that, that, all that was wasted. So, so I get over there, and I, I had these two things that I had to go find in the store to get a, a project in. That I, was looking, I, I go from store to store to store. All the places that I knew had this did not have this. I had an appointment to work out a project uh, for the church, and I'm going through this, and it ended up not being at all the, fixing the problem. What I, and, and by the time I was done, I looked down at the clock. It was like 2.30, and I thought, I spent all day working, and I have accomplished nothing but instituting frustration in my life. That's it. Have any of you guys ever had a day like that? How many of you have a life like that? You know, just like, I mean, like, all I do is spin my wheels, and I get nowhere, and I'm frustrated, and I'm tired, and it's aggravating, and, and at the end of the day, I look back and think, what did I do? Let me tell you, I, I believe that a lot of our lives run like that, spiritually speaking. We work, we do, we do, we do, we run, we run, we run, and Pastor Dave was preaching last Sunday, and, and I, I knew the topic he was doing. I, I knew the outline and knew everything that he was doing. And he got up there, and he had this um, table. And on the table, he started this fire. It was one of those stern old things that you couldn't really see it. And then he, he began to preach. And, of course, when somebody lights a fire on the stage, that's a sure way to keep people's attention, okay? Maybe I should do that more often. And he gets up there, and he starts talking about our lives and what we really accomplish for God. Guys, there's some things that we just have to do because they are necessity for our life. We have to eat. We have to work. We have to pay bills. We have to be there for our families. We have to do these things. But he started answering these questions about the end, and the subject was the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat for us as believers. One day, if you are saved, born again, saint of God, one day you will stand at this judgment. You will. And the Bible makes it very clear, and a lot of times... We get fearful of this judgment because God's going to judge you for that sin. Let me tell you, the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the blood that we sang about to open this up, you cannot be judged for your sin because your sin has already been judged. Can I get an amen right there? It can't be held over your head. It can't be thrown up in your face. The devil will run out there and say, Lord, let me tell you everything that he's done. And the Lord looks at him and says, I can't find anything. You see, when I died on the cross and he claimed the blood of Jesus Christ, it was cast out as far as the east is from the west. Don't, don't live this life thinking about standing before God going, oh, no. God says, no, I, I want you to anticipate, be excited about the coming of Christ. But there is another part to it. At this judgment, we are not judged for our sin. And I told Pastor Dave this morning, I said, 
I am not re-preaching your message because you did not nail this. I am preaching this message because you nailed me in my heart when, I, when you were saying this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that hath he had done. Whether it be good or bad. This isn't fictional, this is real. The word bad, and Pastor Dave brought this out, was not talking about bad like we think. It's, it, the word means waste or worthless when I looked it up. The things that we have filled our lives with that don't add up to anything in eternal value. Nothing. I told you guys we're going to jump around in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 3.13. If, if you want to turn there and follow along. This is what he says about the same subject. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That word means manifest, shall be made known. It's, we're held accountable. And just like the, 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 the uh, story of the talents in the Bible, when, when the master came home and he held them accountable for what he's giving you. And, and all of us have been, been blessed. And every one of them, you guys that are here today, you've been blessed with Money, maybe not a lot or a little, but you've been blessed with money. You've been blessed with time. You've been blessed with talents and abilities. All of us. You know who, who all that stuff belongs to? It's all his. He says, therefore you are bought with a price. He said, I, I want you therefore, because you're bought with a price, to therefore glorify God in your body which belongs to him. The message that I am giving you today about being all in and, and understanding that it's, what we do is not in vain or it's not empty, the things that we do. I plead with you as, as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, and as a friend that we all examine our lives to evaluate and say, Lord, what have I done? This passage right here. Every man's works will be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is if any man's work abide with which he hath built thereon thereupon he shall receive a reward if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved this isn't a determination of whether you get into heaven or not you are already saved but it's a matter of all the things that we walk before God and said, God says, what did you do with your life? And said, so, man, I can't wait to show you, Lord. And we pile it on there. And the Bible is given this description before here about everything shall be tried by fire. God takes everything that you've done and he throws it in the fire to see if it tests his tests of whether they were things for him or things for us. Pastor Dave made the statement that there's going to be a lot of smoke on that day. He says things burn up one by one. Of those things that had no eternal value. The Bible describes in Revelation of us, of our generation and day and age of that which has become apathetic. The Bible describes our day and age of those that have become more of lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And I thought about those things and envisioned that day as we come before God and we lay it on there and say, God, let me tell you what I did. And God looks down there and says, wow, that's, that, that bowling trophy, that's pretty sweet. Let me see how that test, the test of time of how many people came to know Christ. How you glorified me 
how you led people down the path of righteousness, how, how you did that. Uh, it took so much of your time. It's gone. God starts adding up how much money we spent on stuff that we wanted. The things that God says, uh, you invested in this and you did this and that, and, and that $9 movie ticket that you spent every single weekend, it's gone. The five hours a week that you spent on social media, it's gone. Three hours a day that grown men will play on Xbox and PlayStation 4 and they, 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 they can't, I, I can't come to a men's breakfast and I can't serve and I can't be involved in picking kids up on a bus and serving this and singing in the choir and all that. I don't have time. And, and God says, whoa, you sure had time for this. And God throws it in there and says, what good did it do? So, oh, wow, this is really encouraging. Come to church to find out that everything I do is no good. Now, you see, let me, let me explain this. God desires for us to rest and enjoy life. Sit there and say, well, playing Xbox is bad? No, I, I, my, one of my life missions is beating my boys in Xbox games. <laughs> they don't even have to look at the screen. Their just fingers go all over the place. And I'm like this old man. I'm trying to move the joystick around. You, know, just, you wouldn't understand that unless you had an Atari. And it's, it is so, and I, I, I enjoy that, and I love that, and I, I love my downtime, and, and I love hanging out, and, and, and I, I love, I just love life and the things that I get to do in life. But I, I promise you, if my passion and my love for those trumps everything of God, something is wrong. I was talking to a brother in Christ yesterday, and he really inspired me. As we were sitting in my office going back and forth, and he just said, Tony, I just want my life to count. And he turned in his Bible and he, he flipped over to the passage that says, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Where it just rusts and falls apart and, and thieves break through and seal and it, it's just temporary. Thing. But lay for yourself treasures in heaven. And he said, I just want my life to be about the things of God. And it's not a matter of all those things being in our life and they're not wrong or sin unless the Bible calls them out to be wrong and sin. But when we have become a generation and a nation that is filled with every pleasure and fun and entertainment and we sit there and our junior churches and our bus routes and our kids and our choir and every other ministry die out, God sits back and says, what did you do with all that I gave you? I'm not saying this for doom and gloom. I'm talking nationwide. I'm still floored at the statistic that 6,000 churches close their doors every single year. They said in church plants, about 2,000 churches are being added through church plants across America. But 6,000, I'm not a whiz with math, but I can tell you in the long run, that's not a healthy stat that's going to end up with those numbers. Let's go back to our main passage and we'll kind of buckle down and, and dwell here in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Same thing as that teaching that we had of 
when we stand before God and good and bad lines up with our passage, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word vain means empty. It means it's something substantial that you'll be able to take the product of that with you when you go. Sometimes people cringe at the fact when the pastor stands up to speak about being involved and people miss out on the benefit of everything that God does through that. And they go, oh, here we go again. One of those stories about you should be serving Jesus and all this, you know. And we, we just sit there and we have this mindset that this is being, being beat over there. I, I want to show you guys that we don't understand it if that is our mindset. When we talk about serving God and, and laying up treasures in heaven and everything that matters... The church should be sitting there saying, praise God, let's talk about the things that matter. If gas prices, and we watch what our investments and money and everything happen, we get excited or down, and I'm telling you, it should be the same thing when we get excited about when God is working. This is exciting. Okay? That is exciting to see young people, and you say, well, you're making about, no, I'm talking about anybody that's willing to step up and say, here am I, God. Use me. So I'm going to show you. Let, let's start with a motive. The motive of your work. You say it doesn't even say that here. Oh, yeah, it does. It's huge. It, it's all in one word, and we, we often overmiss it. But because we're, we're looking at this, and, and the Bible study starts off, and he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, You've got to stop and get into that. The the word therefore always means because of what you just heard or because of what just said, therefore we need to do this. It's like having that conversation with my wife and I go in the kitchen and I say, I'm I'm hungry, I want breakfast, you know, feed me now, you know, those types of things. And she comes back and says, you haven't given me a chance to go grocery shopping. I've got the kids all the time, all there. Therefore, you're hungry because you've not done the things previous to this. God says in this passage, or, or Paul says in there, let me, let me tell you what the therefore is. Let me back up and tell you why you should do all these things. I was in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24, and I'm reading Paul's testimony as he's talking about the, the, the ministry, all the things that he has done. Now, I, I read this and I'm going, what in the world, dude? Why didn't you quit? If I were you, I would have already quit. And some of us quit if we don't get the seat that we want, if we don't get the recognition that we want, if we don't get the title that we want. Listen to this guy. He said, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes save one. Five times the dude was beat 39 times. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I suffer persecution and things but I've never had a church member say, I'm, I'm upset with you, and then take out a, 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 a whip and start beating me with it. I might have had people that have wanted to do that, but I've yet to see it happen. Thrice, three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Let me just throw that one in there. One time I was stoned. Three times, thrice suffered shipwreck. I wasn't funny. So a night and a day, I, I had been in the deep, floating on driftwood. And journey is often in perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils of the heathen, and perils of the city, and perils of the wilderness, and perils of the sea, and perils of amongst fallen heathens and brethren. 
and weariness and painfulness, and watching often in hunger and in thirst and fasting and cold and in nakedness. You read all that and go, dude, and you still got up and did it? What in the world motivated you to keep going and stand up? And the Bible says, so I brushed off the dust and I went to the next city and I did it all again. What is it there for? There for. So I backed up just a few verses. And I got to the second part of verse 54 and he said this. He said, guys, you, you have no idea my past. You don't know me. You don't know where I've been. In my life as I was doing my thing, I would would get so mad at churches that I I would be the one to volunteer to go burn that church down. He said, I could tell you guys about times that I've pulled preachers out of the church and one time the guy's name was Stephen and I raised my hand and said, go for it. As all the Christians, I wanted all the Christians to gather around before I did. And I gave the word. And those guys went crazy, throwing those stones one by one. And Stephen lifted up his voice and cried and said, Lord, lay this not unto them. And he prayed this prayer. He said, I was, on, I was commissioned to go to Damascus this one time. And I was on this road and I'm on my way. And something amazing happened. He said, there was this light from heaven that was so bright that it blinded me. And, and, and he cried out and he said, man, it is so hard for you to kick against what I am doing. A kick against the pricks, the conviction of God. And he said, I have no idea why God chose me or why God wanted me. Because the debt that I had in my life was so huge. You realize that for all of us, the wages of our sin is death. And Paul's just saying it was bad. He said, but let me tell you, that's no longer the case. (laughs) And actually, if I was to die today, out of everything that I have done, killing Christians, burning down churches, all that other stuff, he said, I am no longer afraid. And he said, why? He said, oh, because death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? You don't have the poison to take me like you once did. He said, oh, grave where once I would lie and there's nothing that I could do to change it. He says, where is thy victory? See, the sting of death is sin. That poison of that sin that once got a hold of me and was dragging me down and there was nothing that I could do to change that. And the strength of the law, sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, therefore, my beloved brethren... <laughs> Be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, Paul was saying, he says, you want to know my motive? My motive is because of the changed life that I have. I mean, so many people are like, like how many of you us will, will stand and help with this banquet or this outreach or this? And everybody's like, oh, not me. I'm just thinking, what has God done in your life? What has God done to change us and revive us and pull us? And and Paul was saying, after all that he has done for me, how could I not serve him? Have we been saved so long that we've lost glimpse of the glory of what God did in our life to pull us out of that pit? Because when God pulled us out of that pit, it should have been where our heart was so stirred that we turned around and didn't run from the pit. We went back there and said, hey, there's more down in there. That there's more in that pit that need to be pulled out. 
See, the motive of our serving should be the changed lives that God has given us. What a shame when we sit on the blessings of what God has done. What a shame when, we, when we've been given so much and you say, what are you telling me, that I have to earn my salvation? Let me tell you, you could serve till you die and never earn your salvation. Your good works will never be good enough. But let me put it in the words of an author that penned these words for a song. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch is what I long for. You have given life to me. The true motive of our service should simply be because I love my God. Last week I was telling you guys about the story of this woman at the well. And uh, Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. I want to be there. And these guys were hungry. So they were like, I know what I want. I want lunch. All 12 of the guys head in the town. Jesus encounters this woman at the well. The disciples come back. They have lunch. They give it to Jesus. Jesus said, no, I have meat already. I have to, I, I'm doing the will of my Father. He said, my satisfaction doesn't come from things here on earth alone. Where was the woman at the well during all of this? This whole thing, and he goes on and he says, guys, lift up your eyes into the harvest, for the laborers are few, but the harvest is plenteous. He said, go therefore, don't say there's four months and then come harvest. Now is the time to go get them. All this commotion going around the corner. Where was the woman that he just reached? She, she grabbed a pew, she pulled it over there, she sat there, she raised her hand, she said a couple words, and she was amening Jesus the whole time. That's right, Jesus, you tell them, people need the Lord, people need Jesus. She was having church right there on the spot, amen? amen. Let me read it. Matthew four twenty-eight. The woman left her water pot and went away into the city, saith unto the men, come, you guys, come see a man which told me all the things that I've ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. You guys aren't getting it. <laughs> she got it. Her heart was changed. Not only do we serve God because of the change that God has given us, there ought to be where we serve God because of the joy that's in our hearts. There, there should be an excitement. Jesus turns around and the disciples are like, what woman did you lead to you, Lord? What, where's this changed woman? She was running in the town. She left her water pot there. She comes running back and the Bible says she told all these people what she had done and they came with her. You guys say, what is, should be the service of the local church? Just like that woman. Amen. God stirs our hearts up. There should be a joy in our hearts. There should be something that, it's not a have to, it's a get to thing that we do for God. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, it gets better. John 4.39, in the same passage, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him. For the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I did. Now she's probably over there going, wow, I've been married five times. The man I'm with now is not my husband. 
I have no friends. I come in the cool of the day because, uh, in the middle of the day, because I don't want to come when all the other women are here. She was all by herself. She she had nobody to turn to in anything. Now she's turning around and she's has a crowd of people come to know Jesus as a result of her testimony. You imagine on that day, she stands before God and that woman that had been married all those times and everybody's like, yep, this is what's going to happen. Watch God call her out on all these men. God's probably going to you know, have a slideshow. This was husband number one. This was husband number two. This was husband number three. That's what her mind is of going to heaven. Failure, failure, failure. God takes her life and throws it in that fire and pulls out this crown. Places it on that adulterous woman's head and said, great is your reward in heaven. Honey, you ran into that city and you were telling everybody that you could and all those people come running to Jesus and those disciples are over there rubbing their bellies. You know, just like, man, that was good. Master, here, eat. The next thing comes this woman. The Lord says, dude, you want to know what I'm talking about? Just look right there. That is what I'm talking about. She was excited. No one had to tell her to serve the Lord. Jesus didn't say, all right, here's what happens next. There's a bunch of ministries that are going to need you, and there's people in that city. He turned around and was like, where'd she go? (laughs) She's sprinting in the town. Back to our passage. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, let me ask you guys in this passage of the, the motive of our service, he comes back with this whole thing, and, and he says, My beloved brother, and then he goes on to the words, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We, we go from the motive to the members of the work. See, here's the thing, guys. We are in this together. There are no big shots. There are, are no little shots. There's the woman at the well was doing more at that opportunity than even the big shots disciples that walked in the town with all their garb and looking cool and walking with Jesus and had the little name tag, I'm with Jesus, uh, uh, on there. All that did not add up to what that woman at the well was doing that day of reaching people for Christ. I don't want to be a part of a church that anybody strolls in here thinking they're a big shot. If Jesus could sit down and wash people's feet, then I think we're pretty good to wash people's feet. Jesus pulls these people together and he assembles them into this thing that he called the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, and I know I'm going back to another writing of Paul. He says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto its edifying itself in love. See, the body of Christ, when everybody is coming together, the be ye the brethren of Christ, the Bible says that the body of Christ is going to grow. So why is that important? Oh, it's a big deal to God. The, the thing is, God has given us a, 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 a mission, a job to do. And that verse 16 says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Here, here's what he was saying about the mission or the work of God. He said, it must be a joint effort. Do you know what hurts the church? Hurts the mission of the church? Is when Christians feel as if they don't matter to God. Or their service does not matter to God. The Bible says in that word, fitly joined together, is actually one Greek compound word. It, it, it means to be framed together or closely joined together. 
when each person makes up their part, the same way in a car, and he's saying not everybody understands the working of a car. Here's the thing. A spark plug is only this big. Have you ever driven a car that was missing a spark plug? A a fuel filter is only this big. I, I could go through all the different parts of the car. The key of a car is only this big. He got all this giant thing and people walk in this church and go, oh my goodness, this place is huge. Uh, there is nothing that they need me to do here. See, that's a lie of the devil. Right. See, the, the, the whole thing is God says there's a part for every person that walks through the door of the church. The whole body fitly joined together. It must be a joint effort of everybody's talents and abilities coming together. That's what he said. It goes on and he said, not only is it a joint effort, he said it must be an applied effort. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. See, having a knowledge of all this is not good enough. Let me take it a step further. Praising God for all that we have is still not good enough. So we shouldn't worship God? Absolutely. Our, our, our mouth should roll with the praises of God. Our, our, our voices should shout out the praise of God. But let me tell you, if all we do is talk about it and we don't do it, We're missing it. If we meet as a church four times a week and say, don't miss Sunday school, don't meet worship, don't miss Sunday night, don't miss Wednesday night, and we don't do what we talk about in all those services, shame on us. It's like we're very passionate about getting together to talk about those things, but are we very passionate about doing those things? He goes on in this passage. Knowing is not enough. He said the effectual working of every part. It's the same word that we get today of the word energy or power. If you have a car and it is a sweet ride, it is a Lamborghini or whatever you consider to be a sweet ride, and that car has no ability to move forward, then all it is is a giant paperweight. When it comes to the body of Christ, we should not be a giant paperweight. Because God says, let me show you what I do when When I take this part of the car and I take this part and I plug this in here and I tune this up and they're using their talents and you know what, the truth of the matter of a a, a tire is not made to be a steering wheel and the steering wheel is not made to be a tire. And some people are, are, are seen and some people are not. And some people have talents in other areas that you do not. But I tell you, it's not about what talent you have, it's what you do with that talent. When you hold back from God, you know what you're doing? You're stealing from God. You are hurting the work or the effectual working, which is the power of the church in efforts to do what God's called it to do. But let me show you else about the members. The Bible says through our efforts, there's a growing. There's, there's, there's growth that's involved in there. L- let me ask you guys this question. How many of you have been saved here for 25 years or longer? You've been saved for 25 years or longer. Wow, that is awesome. That is probably, I'd say, half the church here today testify that they've been saved for 25 years or longer. And, and, and how, how many of you have been part of the church for 25 years or longer? Raise your hand right there. Let, let me tell you guys some bad news. Uh, eventually, there's got to be other people to do what we're doing now. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or cruel or whatever. Uh, I, I went, I had my yearly physical with my doctor and he, he's giving me that speech and he says, dude, you realize that you're approaching 40, 40. And, and I know you laugh at that and everything and you just, 
well, that's, that's not a big deal. And he's, he's, he's telling me about how I need to take care of myself. And I'm like, dude, look at them. Come on. <laughs> In life, the Bible says that when we are all doing our part, there is something that happens. The Bible says that there must be a growing effort. The church must continue to grow. We've bought into this lie. In this day and age, it's impossible for the church to grow. That is a lie. Because the effectual working of every part and the work of God and the Spirit of God, none of those things are meant to fail. Sit back and say, well, it just can't happen today. We live in 2015. It just can't happen today. I'm sorry. I'm not going to buy into that because that's a lie of the devil. Guys, can you stand up one more time? Let me show you guys something. We need them. You need them. Amen. Can I see that? The effectual working of every part. Teachers, choir members, Sunday school workers. All of you played a joint effort of helping this. I look back on my life of those teachers and Sunday school workers and bus workers and that my, 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 my teacher that would give up his weekends to take me on an activity just that he thought, what's the big deal about this? It mattered to me. All that you do makes a difference as long as you realize that your labor is not in vain. But what God does is the Bible says it edifies itself in love. Love is patient. You want to know why a lot of churches don't grow? Because we leave it up. Love is patient, guys. You're going to have to learn to be patient with these guys. (laughs) Hey, guys, love is patient. You're going to have to learn to be patient with these guys. There's area of their life that they're still growing. And there's zeal in their life that you need to catch up with. Some of us have lost it. I mean, it's like we're singing Amazing Grace and their hands go up and they're like, what are we singing? You know, and the rest of us are like, what? What's the words? They're still in that zone of, man, alive. I know that. I've known some of their testimonies. I know what God's doing in their life. They're sitting there. Tears are coming down their face because it's still real and alive. But for some of us that have been saved a long time, our tears begin to dry up and we lose our, 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 our passion. Love is patient. Love is kind. Edifies itself in love. It does not behave itself unseemly. Do you know what that means? It, it, is, it goes on in that same passage and talks about it. It's not, it's not jealous. It's not all these things. So it should be as we edify the church in love. And we do what that says right there. Do you know what happens? We increase the body. But you know what usually happens? Right here. We divide right here. Sorry. We've got... Sorry, man, you're with them. That's the old versus the young. Let me tell you, it shouldn't be that way. Because according to what God said, you guys have stuff to offer that we need. And you guys have stuff to offer that they need. The effectual working of every part. But if it's not edifying itself in love, all of this is going to fail. You guys can be seated. Let me close with the last part and we'll be done. We looked at the motive of the work, the members of the work, 
but then there's the manner of the work, how it should be done. Therefore, look back, because of what Christ has done for us is our motivation. Our love for God and his love for us. My beloved brethren, it's all of us. He is challenging the work that, is, that he's talking about doing. It's all of us. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let, let, me, let me break this down and then we have gone through the whole verse. The word steadfast means immovable or settled. To be settled in our hearts. So what's the big deal? Do you know how many people are all over the place with everything that they believe? I'm telling you, it, it, it's amazing how I'm in love. I'm not in love. I, I love God. I don't know. I love this church. I don't know. It just we're, we're all over the place. This, this verse obviously goes a lot deeper than that when Paul was saying that. But Paul was saying, you know how I could be shipwrecked, beat 39 times, stoned and almost to death, all these other things, because I was convinced in my heart that what I'm doing matters. Amen. You will not be abounding in the work of the Lord unless you get it in your head that this means more than our cable. This means more than bowling. This means more than sports. This means more than all the stuff that we put our lives in. This matters more than all of it. It's not a matter of us. We can't have the rest of it, but this ought to come first. The work of God, the working of every effectual working of every part, all of those things need to be there, and then all those things are bonus to those things. I tell you, how did Pastor and Mrs. Denoff last all these years of serving here, and Mrs. Denoff still serving and being part of this? I'll tell you, you say, how was that possible? Because they were settled in their hearts. He said, be steadfast. Sit, sit there and know what you know and, and believe what you believe and be confident in those things. Then he went, brought it to the next level and he says, be unmovable. That, that, that word means a lot of things and we naturally think in our hearts that that's talking about being faithful or those things. But the, the definition means firm or fixed or stable. One thing that I find right now is there's no consistency in what we believe. When you're settled in something, we're going to keep doing it. It's not so much how we do it, but it's a matter of that we keep accomplishing the work that God's given us to accomplish. If it wasn't for faithfulness of people consistently doing things, the next generation wouldn't be able to inherit and, and pick up and be able to carry on what you've done already. One thing that I know for sure, that our generation, this younger generation, the kids coming up behind them is suffering from, it's the fact that there's no stability. They, they don't know the idea of being faithful to a job or faithful to a church or faithful to a ministry. We have a high calling on our God and you might want to swap out your cell phone every nine months. But we should be a little more faithful when it comes to the things of God. You say, why is it a big deal? Because there is a whole lot more to be done. He said, I want you to be steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Probably my favorite part. That word always abounding means to super abound, to be in excess, to excel, to be more, to exceed, to increase, to remain over and above. Do you know what that means? Do you know why these guys are here and you're here? Because we've got to keep abounding in the work of the Lord. 
constantly excelling, constantly climbing that mountain, constantly moving forward, constantly casting our sights out to the next generation and our college students and our community and the kids on our bus routes, the kids that are downstairs in our junior church, right? Always abounding to excel in what God has given us. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. What a shame that we'll work and work and work to get our numbers up at work, to, to, to increase in this area and this area of our life and all the things that we do, and we don't have that same mindset for the, the things of God. When it comes to the work of the ministry, every one of you that lead in a ministry should have a vision for that ministry, should have a heart for the people. The people that we're leading need to be able to see something in us that we're stable, unmovable, and abounding in the work that God has given us. You say, why? Because everything that we describe right now, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What will you bring with you? I don't want to be a church that motivates people to talk about the things that we should do. Let's meet in Sunday school. What did you talk about? We need to be serving Jesus. Meet in the 11 o'clock service. What did you talk about? We need to be serving Jesus. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to teach you how to serve Jesus. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. You know what we're going to do? We're going to teach you how to serve Jesus. And then I read in the Bible that Jesus says, well, why don't you teach also that they need to be doers of the word and not hearers only? It's not that all this is bad, but if more and more faithful to coming together to talk about it rather than going out to do it. And I look at that woman at the well. How God's glancing over that woman. She runs and all these rough guys and she's probably little little embarrassed at first when she went up to Jesus and said, how, how would you be me being a Jew and everything? But man, she's glowing now as a child of God. Bringing those people that all of a sudden they were so convinced with the change in her life. One day, one day, all of us, if I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all going to stand before God. And God's going to take all this busyness in my life. He's going to say, let me see that, Tony. Well, that's a lot of smoke. You spent how much time doing this? Every day? Well, let's see. Oh, there's a lot of smoke. I just want my life to count for the glory of God.